two dudes, one microphone, absolutely zero calves. Welcome to Team No Calves Radio with your hosts, Ollie and Adam. Hello, guys, and welcome to episode 13 of the Team No Cars Radio podcast. And today is a very special episode because I'm joined by a special guest and a good friend of mine, Dr. Mike II. Hello, Doc. How are you, mate? Hello, Ollie. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, dude. Um, this has been a very long time coming. We've spoken about doing this podcast for a while now. Years. Yes, the stars have aligned. Adam is busy, and so you're second best. Excellent. Um, and we've got some good topics today, uh, topics that I feel you... Um, know a lot about in terms of uh, lifestyle, habits, nutrition. Um, So I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into uh, some of these areas with you. But before we do, for anybody who doesn't know you, for anyone that's been living under a social media rock, as it were, please just give us a brief introduction as to who Dr. Mike II is. Um, I I was going to say he is, um, (laughs) but I don't want to talk about myself in the third person because that's terrible. Um, I am a GP in West Sussex, uh, obviously, who has... Um, a special interest in lifestyle medicine and generally in nutrition, fat loss and all of the circumstances surrounding those things, secondary to my own lifestyle transformation, which has happened over the course of a number of years and which was assisted very capably by none other than Ollie and also Adam at times as well. Um, so it's great to be here to talk a little bit more about it. Awesome, yeah. And uh, like I mentioned, for anybody who doesn't follow Dr. Mike, and you definitely should, your your Instagram handle is at Dr. Mike the Second. That's, that's correct, that's it, yeah. isn't it? And it's number two ND. Um, and Mike is prolific for his Transformation Tuesday posts, and they are <laughs> absolutely immense. So uh, do go and head over and follow Dr. Mike the Second, uh, and you'll see what we're talking about there because been a huge change over the last sort of how long would it would you say it's been your transformation in the making it's been about six and a half years so far um started in 2012 um kind of had made a few a few in inroads into making a few tiny little changes before then but essentially hit the road in 2012 and uh it's been it's gone it feels like it's gone quite quickly it doesn't feel like that long but actually it's um it's fairly fairly long period of time but that has allowed me to make huge changes to a lot of different aspects of my lifestyle um in a very slow and sustainable process hopefully yeah that's something we'll we'll definitely delve into in a bit more detail in terms of just the approach that you've taken um you know this hasn't been a very rushed process as you as we've we've spoken about that (laughs) six years is a long time Uh, but actually I feel like that's um one of the factors that kind of leads to your sustained success as opposed to um you know the the normal kind of yo-yo dieting that we see so just while we're on the sub the subject of uh, social media and Instagram why is it Dr. Mike the second for listeners who might not know um it's Dr. Mike the second was it came about through um, an exceptionally good singer-songwriter called Narina Palo, who you should check out if you haven't already. Uh, you've probably seen her on my Insta stories if you've watched them. Um, she was... Uh, I, I was going to see her gigs many years ago when I was a final year medical student, and I was talking to her about how my exams were coming up, and I was a bit worried about them, as you might be. And she was telling me not to worry because it was, um, it was fate that I was going to pass my exams because... Her very good friend, Mike, who was a doctor, Dr. Mike, was moving away to America. And so I would have to pass my exam so that then I would become Dr. Mike II. 
Um, and so she often referred to me as Dr. Mike II. And when I needed a nickname for, um, it was Twitter originally, it was the only publicly acceptable nickname I think I've ever had. So that was why I chose it. So it's quite fitting that um, all those years ago you were branded as Dr. Mike II and today uh, you are the second best uh, co- yes. co-host yeah. today on the podcast. Absolutely. No, not at all. Um, honestly, like I say, it's it's been a, a long time coming and, I, and I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into these these bits and bobs with you. Um, and let's let's take it back to the very beginning. So we want to talk about, you know, the habit changes that you've made over the last few years uh, and how it is that you've managed to not only lose a huge amount of weight, which do you know an exact number? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I remember you saying that you don't actually recall the, the start weight from when you decided to. Yeah, I, I, was al- I was always frightened to weigh myself to start with. Um, so I estimate it to be around 35 kilos, um, a definite 30 kilos. But I think I had already lost about five kilos before I started weighing right. myself. So, so yeah, huge, huge numbers that we're talking about there. And you're not a particularly tall guy no so that and that just you know and that's not a dick at you but that's just <laughs> to put things in a bit more perspective exactly you know 35 kilos of a man of your stature is yeah. a huge amount of weight yeah um and the fact that you haven't regressed in that time and you've you seem to be at a new setting point where this is just dr mike now that well, i should stop calling you dr mike this is just michael banner yeah you just walk around at this weight and this is this is life now so maybe we should talk about some of the differences in your habits and your routine that you had then to what you have now what's what's different what's changed and what keeps the weight off um i mean it's interesting because if, if you'd sort of said to me uh, six years ago right flip a switch and then tomorrow um live this timetable and the timetable involved things like setting my alarm for 5 a.m to go to the gym mm-hmm. before work um you know preparing food in advance or you know tracking all of my calories or macros or whatever mm-hmm. um it would have just been impossible mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not stuff you can change overnight I don't think um but these little tiny progressions that move in the right direction can ultimately lead to huge lifestyle change um I mean at at the time that I started I was probably living mostly between um you know ready meals and eating out probably more eating out than anything uh and I was very sedentary any exercise that I did was was due to um, necessity and circumstance rather than intention. So I never did any kind of formal exercise. I never went for a run or for a bike ride or um, went to the gym. Um, It was all just, you know, sometimes I would walk somewhere if I had to. uh, And that was about it really. And it had been like that for a very long time in my life, um, if not forever. So um, I think... it's kind of just subtle changes that have led to a total overhaul of that really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's great because it's really important for, for people listening who perhaps might be in a similar situation where, you know, the end goal, or even though there is never really any end goal Mm -hmm. and we should always be striving to, to, if not improve, at least sustain a healthy lifestyle. But for anybody who is in a situation where they do want or need to make a change, it's not about one Thing that you change it's a, a combination of things that happen over time small things but really ultimately end up being huge lifestyle changes as a whole yeah. Uh, yeah. and enable us to, to kind of keep the weight off um, so something else that I wanted to touch on Mike was um, what was your kind of knowledge and understanding on on nutrition because obviously you're an incredibly intelligent guy 
you you always haven't you always have been you didn't wake up one day intelligent you've been studying to be a doctor for years at this point yeah so where were you at in terms of your understanding of nutrition and was it a case of you knew what had to be done but you weren't emotionally ready to tackle the task at hand as it were or was it a case of you were just oblivious to things like calories and all of that kind of stuff um it's actually it, i would say it's a mixture of the two to be honest i mean i think growing up everyone sort of talked about things like calories in and calories out and people talked about eat less and do more um but then i think as the years went on um it got complicated by other information that's out there about what you should and shouldn't be doing with regards to nutrition and and how um you know it's not just about calories and it's not just about this and it's not just about that um and with this overwhelming wealth of information I mean, my, one of the first things I learned was that I really didn't know anything about it. I think my, my knowledge about nutrition, um, or at least my confident knowledge about nutrition was, was minimal. And I think that was partly because, um, you know, people would say stuff, well, I'll just eat less and you'll lose weight. And I would eat less, um, but I wouldn't lose weight. The reason I wouldn't lose weight was because I wasn't really eating less. I just <laughs> didn't really realize it. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think that, what struck me was that yeah I, I can be educated in in many ways um but everything i learned about nutrition didn't come from my medical degree mm-hmm. and didn't come from school or anywhere like that it came from learning about it through social media through speaking to professionals um and that was probably one of the biggest discoveries that i made was was about that lack of knowledge but i knew about calories um, I, I had a fair grasp about what was healthy and what wasn't healthy. I just, I think I didn't have a huge amount of motivation to change. And I, I think fundamentally, I didn't have a belief that it was possible to make serious change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was what, what turned it around was accepting that I didn't have to make serious change. I just had to make some change. I just had to do something to make things a bit better. And then maybe when they were a bit better than that, maybe I would do some more things to make them better than that. And that's really what, like the message that I want to um, express to other people is I think we're constantly surrounded by perfection, by Instagram telling us that, oh, this is this great diet involving quinoa and chia seeds and and all of these whole ingredients and everything. And, and you know, my problems weren't that I wasn't eating enough chia seeds. My problem was that I was eating too much pizza and yeah. burgers and cake. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you don't have to suddenly go from, from zero to everything. Mm-hmm. Just making improvements is enough because if you make if you're always trying to improve you'll always be getting a little bit better and getting a step towards that perfection mm-hmm. but if you're if you're if you're only interested in perfection you'll fail and you'll you'll give up yeah 100% i really like that it's um it's the whole idea of just taking small steps initially and and that snow, snowball effect of yeah. those small steps kind of leading to the next and exactly. the next yeah definitely i really really like that um, so while we're talking about um, these changes that you started to make, were there any sort of, you know, fads or anything that you tried along the way that potentially you can look back now in hindsight and say that was a bit ridiculous or anything that you tried that worked really well, mm-hmm. but maybe just now in hindsight, you know, a little bit better. Yeah. Um, any of those kind of things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, when I started, I started on calorie counting and I was using my fitness pal as, as kind of my guide to how many calories I should be on. So, you know, it, it got silly because my fitness pal will arbitrarily reduce your calories as, as you go along and as you lose weight. So I ended up um, 
being on I think it was something like 1600 calories or something um and I was obviously struggling a little bit with that and I was I was starting to plateau a little bit anyway um so I was kind of getting a little bit antsy about about what was going on and I decided to try paleo um and oh my goodness paleo was the be all and end all to me I was I I I I joined the club you know I I had lost, I think at that point, about 10 kilos over roughly six months, something like that. I can't remember the exact number, uh, maybe 10 or 11. And then I lost four kilos in one month on paleo. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also took up running that month Um, (laughs) and I didn't quite make that connection at the time, but Mm -hmm. I was suddenly, I suddenly became evangelical about it. I was like, Mm -hmm. guys, I've discovered the secret Mm -hmm. you can eat as much as you want of this stuff and you will lose so much more weight this is amazing and what what was happening in reality like you know now that I'm out of that bubble was that (laughs) I wasn't really eating very much at all Mm -hmm. because I was getting so bored of just eating boring paleo food food, that I I couldn't be bothered to make it Mm -hmm. so I'd get home I'd be hungry I'd eat some jerky or something like that because it was it was there, yeah. and then I'd be like, oh, do you know, what? I can't be bothered to cook another steak or yeah. something, so I just wouldn't, and I would be hungry. So there you have it, folks. You know, if you want to lose loads and loads of weight very quickly, just have a very very boring bland diet. Yeah, and that's it. Exactly. And I was, I mean, I did it for a month, and then I was straight off the wagon um, as soon because I'd set this target that I'm going to go paleo for a month and you know do a mm. metabolism reset and all of that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. And it was really tricky because I kind of, I thought, no, this is the way to do it. So then I ended up in a bit of a, I mean, I, I hesitate to use the term binge because I, I was never really a binge eater, mm-hmm. but it was a bit of, it was a bit binge and restrict. It was a bit like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to smash paleo and I'd be paleo for a little while. And then I would just go nuts and just eat everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it, it, that becomes quite psychologically unhealthy. I think I got to, I also did a, um, did a stage where I gave up wheat sugar and dairy which is essentially pretty much paleo anyway and I would do that six days a week and then have a cheat day one day a week and again it for some people that works perfectly Mm -hmm. depending on their own personal relationship with food because I think you know if if you're all right doing that and you'll just relax a little bit for one day a week then probably you're going to keep your calories fairly much in a deficit because of the way that you're the way that you're dieting um, and you still get to eat a little bit of what you want but for me, I got I really got to the point where I was trying to push the limits of that cheat day. Yeah. And that was unhealthy. I mean, it's kind of like I would think up everything that I had wanted to eat that week and hadn't had a and chance to. Yeah. And I would literally go to a supermarket and mm. buy all of this food to yeah. eat in one day. Yeah. And that's not that's not a way to live, no. I don't think. No, and that's that's something that we see as coaches quite frequently. Not not that exact scenario, mm-hmm. but going back to um, you trying paleo, having great success with that. And that confirmation bias that comes along with that is very, very challenging to um, not necessarily break from people, but just to re-educate people. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. I'm sure you probably went through your own time where you were you were now being introduced to perhaps different methodology from yeah. different people, yeah. um, trying to steer you away from potentially a paleo or a restrictive diet. Yeah. Um, and then you coming around to that idea what was that for you what was that moment for you how did that go down so that was six months of of pretty consistent trolling by a guy who you know um emil hodjevich mm-hmm. project goliath on instagram 
he um we'd started following each other i think on twitter or something and uh, and he was he was big into flexible dieting or, or tactical nutrition at the time and uh, he would often talk about it and i would often i was i was at that stage in my six days a week of no wheat sugar and dairy and, and one day a week of, of cheat day and he would constantly sort of say to me things like well do you think if you had an ice cream every day you might not need to eat six in one day mm-hmm. no i could never have ice cream in the house because if i've got ice cream in the house i'm going to eat all of it there's no point in having it in the freezer i can't do that flexible dieting will never work for me um i am and we tell ourselves all of these stories about about our own um rules and regulations that we've totally made up Mm -hmm. i always said stuff like well no i can't have stuff i can't have a packet of magnums in the house because i'll just just eat all of them i can't have a packet of this or that or the other because i'll just eat it all and then um, eventually he tricked me into into trying his plan and he said uh, he was like oh you know and i we're going to be doing this project and um, and we need people to kind of try it out and do a testimonial and a photo shoot and stuff. And, you know, I was wondering if, you, you know, you might be willing to give it a go. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK, fine. I'll, you know, I'll do it mm-hmm. once and for all so I can prove you wrong. Yeah. And I just like three days into it, I was like, oh, my goodness, what have I been <laughs> yeah. doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. um, and it was it was a really interesting experience because we started an eight week plan and I did that plan for 11 months. In fact, the only, when I stopped that plan was when I signed up with you right. to do um, to do, to do your 12-week plan mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and it was only because you, you said that you needed to be, you needed to know about like my nutrition and to yeah. kind of, to be able to, because you didn't really know me at that point. No, no. And you didn't, you didn't know me at that point either. No, and we, I think, we were feeling each other out. Exactly, well, yeah. exactly. So you were like, look, if, you, if you're coming on board, you're coming on board. And I was mm. like, fine. Um, so, so yeah, you know, to do an eight-week plan for 11 months and not really Pretty not really successful. notice it. It was, yeah. I mean, it was just great for my mindset. I lost more weight and, and I, you know, and then continued to push that even further with you and then, mm. and, and beyond. So, you know, it was, it was a real a real transition period but it fought against every every construct that I'd mentally built up about dieting mm-hmm. and that's the thing that, that I notice in other people is how ingrained these ideas are it's yeah. not just someone thinks this and you go no actually that's not true and they go oh isn't it mm. they are like no 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 it might not yeah. be true for you yeah it's true for me yeah. and it's trying to challenge those those views in a way that's not patronizing and in a way that that they're receptive to is probably i think one of the biggest challenges and you're probably the best person to, to yeah, confirm that um, we we have our our own biases even as, as people who are educated in this area and you can consider yourself one of those people now you really really are and and that's not to sound patronizing but you've come from a place where you had little to no knowledge and mm-hmm. now you are what i would call um i don't want to use the word influencer but you certainly <laughs> in social media grounds are respected in terms of you know somebody who has great lifestyle habits and the way that you compose yourself with nutritionally on social media and all of that kind of stuff and the advice that you give is brilliant and people look up to you for that and even we have our own biases yeah. that potentially we need to step back from and, and have another view on things and one of the things that I'm seeing a lot recently is uh, personal trainers and coaches in the industry, um, you know, bad mouthing different approaches and, and 
this is the be all and end all and you should be doing this and this is evidence-based and this really kind of high and mighty approach of this is the one way and that's it and just because they do have an understanding Mm. but actually you know it's not one size fits all absolutely and you know if you're if you're doing a low carb high fat diet for example and you're seeing great results and you're enjoying it and you actually enjoy the food then Mm. what's from saying that that's wrong yeah um so we all have our own biases i think is the point to take away from that and as long as we're open to suggestion and, and we can we can have a um you know a kind of critical thinking mindset mm. with with nutrition then we'll, we'll all be better off for it but something that i wanted to talk about as well mike is kind of kind of coming away from um you know your your background with your transformation and more into where you are today mm-hmm. and like i said you are kind of heavily involved with social media and mm-hmm. instagram and mm-hmm. you do have a great reputation how do you how do you kind of position yourself as a doctor you are obviously somebody who is respected in the community you are a professional but you are on social media a hell of a lot what's your stance on the way that you kind of conduct yourself on social media do you have any rules in place do you ever find anything um as a bit of a no-go area for you oh absolutely i, I mean I, I think that and I might not always get this right because I'm a human being and I make mistakes like anyone else does. But I try and um, consider what I put on social media. I think about my boss seeing it and I think about my grandma seeing it. And <laughs> and if if those two things are okay, then then I'm okay with it. Um, I've got a lot of a, a lot of really good friends who um, who I know will call me up on something if I'm mm. if I'm straying out of those boundaries i mean fortunately i don't hold wildly controversial views about many things so so that's helpful um i think it's balancing it with the the acceptance that i'm just i'm just a person and i am being just a person on social media but i also have to accept that i am a doctor and i am a professional And, and my thinking about that is that you know if if you if you are a patient as as we all are at times in our lives and you go to see your GP about sensitive matters, you don't need to see them being an idiot on mm-hmm. social media, just like you don't need to see them being paralytic in a pub. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just just the recognition that there is a certain amount of responsibility there and it, it comes more from myself than it does from anything else. I think there is a lot that you can quote unquote get away with, um, but at the same time, I don't know that you'd necessarily want to get away with it. I, I, I don't want people to lose trust in me as a practitioner because um they see me being a total idiot on social media so you know i try i try and and approach things with a sense of humor but i i try not to be too controversial i don't really i don't really swear on social media um i don't swear at all do you mike i I don't i mean i I don't think i do but it is it's it's one of those things that you you know you you can be paranoid about it you Mm -hmm. can you can almost you know be worried about what people are going to post but I think also you have to accept that you are a human being you're not you know in some ways being open about about kind of about the mistakes that you're making Mm -hmm. can be just as beneficial to you know to your audience and to your patients for example so like recently for example I mean I kind of got to the quote unquote end of my transformation at the end of last year and had my photo shoot and everything um and I've had some real struggles kind of getting back on track earlier this year and you know even towards towards the middle of the year you know it's taken me quite a long time to get things back on track Mm -hmm. and it's taught me 
that I've still got a really long way to go. Um, but so does everybody. You know, we're all on, on a big, oh, I don't want to sound so cliche, but we're all on a big journey. Um, and it is helpful to people to know that it's not just filtered perfect pictures of these perfect meals that mm-hmm. I've spent ages making um, and then filtered to hell and back. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's important to realize that actually, you know, I, yeah, I'm eating ready meals. Yeah. yeah, I'm eating protein bars. I'm not saying you should eat protein bars and I'm not saying you should live on protein bars, but I'm saying that you don't have to never have them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything in any one particular way. And, you know, health is such a different thing to fat loss. Fat loss is, is separate to nutrition in yeah. my ideas. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we often get caught up in because a lot of people who are trying to teach people about nutrition are teaching them about nutrition, about getting in their micronutrients and about getting a, you know, balanced um like sources of different things Mm -hmm. but if your if your biggest problem and the biggest threat to your life is morbid obesity then those micronutrients don't matter so Mm -hmm. you know getting people to eat more avocados isn't going to make them lose weight getting them to eat less pizza by any means might help yeah um and i think i think that 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 hopefully is is a useful message to to send I guess to counteract some of those those other messages and I think I feel like as long as you know I'm not promoting anything that is is dangerous which I really hope I'm not um, and I'm not contributing to people having you know a dimmer view of their own selves or the way that they want to do things then then hopefully I'm not going wrong but I'm often relying on other people to point that out (laughs) yeah um, no, it's it's something that I, I certainly kind of share a view of and it's something that I've recognised in myself recently, you know, even as a personal trainer and it's not to say that it's, you know, something to be um, ashamed of or, you know, it's not highly regarded but I certainly was of the view that I could kind of get away and do what I want on social media um, and I take a slightly different view now um, and I take my my client's opinion of me very seriously And I want to compose myself in such a manner that I am respected in that field. Mm -hmm. And so I feel it's a really good message to anybody who uses social media and is of a profession where you're being watched by clients, patients, whatever it might be. You should act accordingly um, and you will be paid in dividends because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are, um, you know, effing and blinding from the rooftops and calling everybody every word under the sun. And for me, it's just a very poor tactic to drive interest. Yes, there are certain people who can get away with doing those things, but you know they are their own person and they are an outlier. Uh, and it's certainly something that we need to address, especially in the fitness industry. Personal trainers and coaches need to tone down uh, their mannerisms on social I think media. It's, it's interesting because I think different things work for different people and will attract different crowds. I think the key is not to try and do stuff that isn't who you are Mm. really i mean in terms of if i started you know effing and blinding on social media and and um and speaking in the way that a lot of personal trainers might speak it's going to sound ridiculous because it's not how i communicate with people Mm. um and it's certainly not how i communicate with people in a professional situation but you know for some people that's what works for them and for some people that's what they want to see on social media Mm. they want to see the controversy 
Um, and you know, good luck to whoever's doing what works for them. But I think, I think it becomes dangerous when you see other people do stuff and you think, oh, I need to be a little bit more yeah. like that. And I need to, that's, that's kind of what I need to do because they're doing it and that works. Yeah. For sure. I think that's a good segue actually to talk about, let's talk about some of the things that you really love about social media. And I'm sorry to keep banging on about social media, but when I think of Dr. Mike, <laughs> I honestly, I do think of Instagram because, you know, prolific Instagram stories. I always watch your stories. They're very entertaining. They're also very informative and you have a you have a great way of um, rationalizing things. So, you know, there'll be a big hoo-ha in the media about this or that to do with nutrition and you can take a step back as an outsider and you have great perspective from two angles. You're, you're a doctor, you're, you're in the industry, you're, in, you're a health professional, but you're also somebody who's come from a place who has had to deal with those situations. So, you can attack it from both angles and that's why I really enjoy the way that you deconstruct these kind of daily mail headlines, etc. So what are some of the things that you love about social media and what are some of the things that you really don't like? Um, I love that social media is whatever you want it to be and it can be unhealthy for those reasons because sometimes what what we want isn't necessarily what we need mm-hmm. and what we want to see can cannot be beneficial to us but essentially you can curate this content to be as entertaining or as informative or as sociable as you want it to be you know you can use social media for all types of things be it education um, be it for making friends and contacts and networking or be it for just laughing you know for for just for entertainment you can also use it to, to bring you down um, and I think that's that's what's so powerful about it is that it, it is what you make it and and it had a huge impact on me and that's the reason I'm a big fan of social media is because you know I when I wanted to, to improve my lifestyle um, most of my friends who were active were active in kind of outdoor sports um, and that's the kind of stuff that I don't really mm. get on with that much so I didn't really have a lot of I, I suppose gym friends like th- those sorts of you know people who who like exercising inside <laughs> yeah. um and social media was a huge source of motivation for me of, of you know people who were I was essentially terrified of, of of fit people I was I was terrified of people who were really good at sports mm-hmm. I've always found it really difficult to to connect with those people because I felt intimidated by the fact that they are hugely better than me at something mm-hmm. and that was one of the biggest things that 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 stopped me from getting into the gym um, and kind of trying to find out more and more about fitness and following a few more of those kind of people on social media really broke down those barriers because they were so nice. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so nice and everyone was trying to be so helpful. And, and I would, I'd post something on Twitter saying, oh, I can't really be bothered to go to the gym today. And I'd have, you know, 10 or 20 replies of people going, no, come on, you've got to yeah. go to the gym, go smash it. And I would end up going and yeah. I, you know, this would have an actual impact on me. And, and that was hugely useful. Um, and so what, what social media allows you to do is to socialize with people with a specific type of interest or you know whether it's be people who like the same music as you or people that have the same hobbies as you who you might not ever have the opportunity to meet in real life or if you had the opportunity to you know you might see people in the gym mm-hmm. who you could be great friends with but you're unlikely to just go up to them and say hi yeah. um because they look at you like you're a weirdo <laughs> yeah. um so social media breaks that down so you're not just socializing with people who you've met through work um, or who you went to school with um, so 
I think that's a really a really great aspect of it. I mean, I think I think unfortunately because it's there's obviously no regulation really apart from super offensive content, mm-hmm. and that allows a lot of really really dangerous misinformation mm-hmm. to happen on social media, and that's kind of the saddest thing about it. The saddest thing to me is is seeing young people be influenced mm-hmm. by people who really have no place influencing them and. I, you know, I don't even I don't blame the young people for looking up to these people, mm-hmm. and I don't even really blame these people for no. being on Instagram because you know, I wrote a blog about this, and I was kind of like, if you're somebody who is, you know, you're you're on a reality TV show, um, you've made a name for yourself through kind of getting drunk and vomiting on TV, mm-hmm. you're looking for ways to 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 sustain your career and to make money. Some guy comes to you from a from a company, from a, a weight loss company and says, look, we've got this great product. It's scientifically proven to help people lose weight. Um, we will pay you X amount of money to promote this. It's a really safe product. It's backed by science. You know, there's nothing to lose and we're going to give you loads of money. Um, I might not expect that person to go, oh, hang on a minute, I haven't read the evidence. I'm going to go and critically reflect on all of these papers yeah. and then I'll come back to you with an answer. What else are they going to say? But yeah, yeah, cool, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. They think they're doing good, yeah. potentially. I mean, that's me perhaps being a bit naive and perhaps being a bit soft on them because they don't tend to respond greatly when people challenge them. But I have seen people who've been challenged. I've seen, there was a guy, I can't remember who he was, but I think he was on Geordie Shore or something. And he was posting up about some sort of detox tea and, you know, got a few people responding to him. He took the post down, he apologised for it and, and you know, moved on. And, and, and I was really impressed yeah, by that. Right. But um, a lot of people don't necessarily do that. But it, it is, it's a sad situation to see. And... Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that is improving because there, are, for every you know, for every few of those people, there are so many people you know like yourself, mm-hmm. um, and many many other really well informed people um, who are growing, you know, by the day. You know, you've got you've got amazing like um, people in nutrition now who are putting on courses. You've got Martin McDonald. You got all you know all these people who are educating a lot of people on mass about nutrition, yeah. and I think hopefully the tides are turning on yeah, that. But we shall see. Um, it's really interesting that point you brought up on um, influencers, like the, the whole kind of reality TV star and that scenario, because I I certainly will have been someone, probably not just because it's not in me to call an individual out or to to make somebody feel upset about mm-hmm. something like that yeah. but I certainly would take that away um, and in a broad brush statement say yeah. this is ridiculous which I think is is probably a better approach than yeah. you know because you, what you're doing then is you're spreading a, a probably a more informative message yeah. to your yeah. audience which is you know fine but it's interesting the way that you looked at it in that you know they're in this situation they are trying to make a living they're kind of you know they're in that position in the first yeah. place where that's how they've made a name for yeah. themselves um and so maybe we shouldn't be so harsh mm. on them but like you say it's a very unregulated uh platform and unfortunately it does happen mm-hmm. um but it should be the kind of these companies that we should be looking to um to kind of abolish really there should oh, be exactly but it is, it, there's no end to it and the thing is you know you can you can question it and stuff like you know anyone who's ever been to see or heard of anyone who's been on on like a shampoo advert 
and what they actually do to people's hair on shampoo adverts to make it look the way that they do. You know, the, the world of advertising is, is a yeah. murky world. It's yeah. kind of, it's designed to make people part with their money um, for things that they don't necessarily need. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it becomes, it becomes murkier when it involves people's health and when it involves yeah. people's kind of hopes. Um, and, and especially if it's, if it is actually potentially sabotaging things that they're trying to do to improve their lifestyle. So that's what's so scary about it. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. So last thing that I, I definitely wanted to talk to you about Mike, and I'm not sure how much insight you have on this. Um, but you know, going back to where you started and when you were learning, um, and when you were practicing, starting to practice a doctor as a doctor, um, you know, the kind of nutritional education that you got. And I think you will openly say it wasn't huge, mm-hmm. um, but is there any sort of um, plans in place to kind of improve that, that you know of, you know, is the syllabus changing somewhat as it was? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's loads of stuff going on. And speaking to medical students recently, I did a um, podcast with Propane Fitness recently and um, uh, Yusuf, who's part of Propane Fitness, is a medical student currently, and he was talking about that the fact that they've actually received quite a lot of nutritional education in his course i think the thing is 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 medical curriculums are are kind of university based so the university themselves has to has to take kind of more of an interest in it but there's some great people who are um really flying that flag uh there's an organization called nutritank which has been set up fairly recently and they're they're kind of trying to improve medical education in uh, medical schools and in conjunction with them, um, we did a lifestyle day um, at Bristol University. I think it's, I can't remember if it's December or January. I think it was December, yeah. And uh, it was great, like getting getting medical students to talk about nutrition and, and what they'd learned. And I was amazed because actually a lot of them had pretty decent knowledge mm. from what they'd been doing so far. Um, but even just having a day like that of getting people to think about lifestyle was is, is huge progress. Um, so a lot of people are in the process of trying to improve things. A lot of a lot of very vocal, very active medical people. Um, I could I could reel off a list of their names, but I won't. Um, and it, it's just it's really encouraging to see because I think part of it that's so great, especially NutriTank was set up by medical students. So seeing the students themselves actually yeah. proactively take an interest and say we want to learn about this stuff we want mm-hmm. to be better at this stuff so that we can change the future of public health and that's huge yeah it's that's certain, really it huge. certainly does feel as if the um the ties are changing somewhat definitely so it's all moving in the right direction which is obviously hugely positive yeah well, look, that's been um, absolutely awesome, Mike. So thank you very much for coming on board to the oh, podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been really, Anytime. really cool. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, if you do have any feedback for us, then please tag us in your social media posts, tag Dr. Mike, tag myself. Um, we'd love to get back to you and, and share your stories. Absolutely. Other than that, I'll speak to you soon, guys. Have a good night and see you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Team No Cavs Radio. Remember, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, progressive overload, and boom, anything is possible.